you are now about to experience the Revive Effect. My name is Matt Celestio, entrepreneur and holistic health specialist. And if you're ready to start your health journey but don't know where to begin, you are in the right place. At Revive, we create better ways of living for our generation by changing the conversation around health. And each episode shows you exactly how to build health into your life. You'll unlock tactics to improve your sleep, nutrition, anxiety, self-talk, and mind. Break free from quick fix culture because it's time you learn to love your body and start to feel like the real you again. Welcome to The Revive Effect. Folks, welcome back to the TRE Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Celestio. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in because this episode is coming at you at the beginning of January. I lied, kind of at the end of January, beginning of the year. And we're all in our era of New Year's resolutions, our goals, stepping into the best versions of ourselves. And that's why this episode is going to be really power packed because we want to teach you how to step into your true self-worth and power. In this episode, my amazing, amazing guest, Charday. We're going to get into topics like stepping into your self-worth, navigating negative self-talk, how changing your internal dialogue can actually help you show up for yourself on a more consistent, confident basis. We'll dive a little bit into diet and fitness culture and how to not let that discourage you, especially when you think you're falling off track. And even when you do feel like you're falling off track, how do you go about getting back on track and not beating yourself up? We're going to touch on that too. And one really great tidbit that we had in this episode, because I'm now recording this intro after having filmed with Charday, is one of my favorite topics is how you can come or start shifting from being externally validated, which is where you're relying on other people's compliments, other people's support, other people's words and their approval, and then shifting that into a more internally validated state, meaning you're in your own power, you're in your own confidence, what you say goes, and you're not shaken by any negativity or any kind of bad words that people kind of throw on you and make you feel less than. We're going to dive deep into all of that. So if you're someone who feels like they beat themselves up, sometimes they deal with that negative internal dialogue and they find it difficult to stay consistent. And then when you do fall off, like you really beat yourself up, this episode is going to teach you how to exactly get right out of that and step back into your true self-worth, your true power, and actually show up for yourself in a way that feels confident abundant and in control for a change. Now, my amazing guest, Charday, she is a wellness entrepreneur. She is also a behavior change specialist, helping women celebrate their bodies, magnify their voices and live life boldly. Now, men, if you're listening, I know we just said women, but let me tell you the information and insights that I got from Charday's conversation beautifully translate into us as well. So don't think that you're being left out of this conversation. Uh, Charday really packs a punch in the information for both um, for both people, okay? Charday was also featured in Forbes. She is the host of the Feel Good Naked podcast and author of The Seven Steps to Feel Good Naked. She is uh, an incredible, incredible uh, thought leader. She packs such an amazing punch. And I'm really happy to have her on our show because She's really around this topic of psychology, behavior change, self-worth, self-talk, and mindset. And we really just bring this whole huge episode together. I think tie a nice bow on it to bring you from A to B. So I'm excited for you to get some information today. We're going to jump right into it. And I want to let you know, first and foremost, that if you're on the path towards change, you're really looking to elevate your personal development, your health, all these areas of your life. 
We have had so many signups for the Revive Academy that we just launched this month in January. It is your all-in-one lifestyle transformation video program academy. I've called all my contacts in the health and well-being space from psychotherapists to gut specialists, mindset coaches, and so much more. And we've put together step-by-step video programs, six weeks each program to take you through any wellness journey. You want to elevate your gut health? We got something for you. You want to alleviate your anxiety? We got that for you. You want to improve your sleep, nutrition, self-talk, mind, whatever it is, we have it within the academy and we're continuing to expand and update it every single month. So click those show notes below. Click those show notes below. I want you to get access inside the Revive Academy and start your personal development journey today. Uh, We've had so many signups. The feedback we've gotten is absolutely incredible. And one thing that people have really, really taken a liking to is the Revive Insider community. So this is like social media, but for Revive. Yeah, you're going to post pictures. You're going to um, connect with other people around the world, of course. But at the same time, you can get extra accountability, extra support, more exclusive content and deeper learnings from more of the creators within our academy. So I invite you to check that out. I invite you to check that out and uh, start learning today. Start your journey, be a little more consistent, be more confident and knowing that the information that you're following is backed up, it's research backed and it's by people who are experts in their field. Can't wait to see you inside the academy. And now number two, on to the podcast with Charday. Let's talk about stepping into your true self-worth and power. Folks, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the TRE podcast. I'm your host, Matt Celestio here. We got an amazing guest, as always, lined up for you. We have Charday in the building, not really in the building, but online uh, via Zoom. Charday, uh, thanks for coming on the pod. Thank you so much for having me on the pod and in the building. <laughs> How are you feeling today? Do you have an intention that you want to bring forward to our, our listeners today? Anything around that? I love for an intention, sure. I think the biggest thing is for anyone listening right now is if you're hearing this episode it's probably going to trigger some ideas that you have about habits and change and wellness and so i would just try to invite everyone to keep a very open mind the whole episode through and see what you think from minute one to the end great intention great intention Charday. thank you for kicking us off as always uh let's dive right into the nitty-gritty i uh just watched a documentary uh regarding some ufc fighters And it was really cool. They brought us behind the scenes, how they were training, and uh, you saw all the nitty gritty. But what was really cool was that they were talking a lot about the mind work that comes along with being a UFC fighter. There was one quote that stuck, uh, stuck out for me, and it was, you become a champion in your mind long before you become a champion in reality, and you actually manifest it and materialize it. And I really liked that. And because we were recording this episode literally the week after, I go, I have to put this in the show notes. We got to kick this off with a bang. Because uh, when I was scrolling your Instagram, you had something very similar to this. And I'm going to quote you from your reel. It said, you said, having your ideal body is not going to take away the feelings of comparison and low self-esteem. As long as you hold on to these feelings, you're going to make it impossible to make space for a new reality. This ties in beautifully with what we just said with the UFC fighter, as well as your quote from Instagram here. Now, can you just take us on a deeper dive into what you mean by holding on to these feelings and not being able to make space for this new reality? Yeah, I love that quote that you brought up. I've also never, ever been on a show where we talk about UFC as part of this topic, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Bringing in all the comparisons and parallels. But it's very true. It's 
you can't be a champion in your athletic fields in your life in really any way if you are not if you don't have the emotional regulation inside and we'll probably talk a little bit more about what that means but for this specific quote the idea is that if you imagine your thoughts like on a record player and we're talking old school record player you can only play one track at a time and if that track is the same thing over and over again of I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I don't look like that person, I'm never gonna get here, this is what I lack, then imagine the feelings and the mood that you're creating in the room and you cannot switch tracks. So there's no way for you to go ahead and switch to, I feel good, I have higher self-esteem, I'm confident in myself, I have respect, I have acceptance because those tracks will not play at the same time. So the idea is that you have to get rid of one if you want to invite the other. They can't live simultaneously is what they you're saying. They can't be simultaneous, no. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. Like even when I first started like with affirmations and uh, all the NLP, CBT, whatever you want to call it, we could dive into that later down the episode. But when you say it in the morning, you say a few things to you know change your belief systems, but then you go throughout the day and you're doing the same activities, you're having the same thoughts throughout the day and you don't catch them in the act, that little five minutes in the morning at night is not gonna actually pack the punch because you're not changing fully and completely. What's your thoughts on that right there? This is such an important point because what you're touching on is the idea of conscious versus subconscious inputs. So most of us, we have thousands of subconscious inputs a day. That's the conversation you're overhearing and not thinking about. That's the, someone says something to you and the thought just comes to you, but you don't really think about it. That's the anger, the resentment emotions that you feel, but you don't really examine them. And you're continually having these inputs that you have no control over. So your emotional climate is going up and down and all around. And of course it's making you feel terrible because you are not directing it. And so the more conscious inputs you can have which yeah it's great to do the morning stuff it's great to do the evening stuff but you want to make it so that your habits are kind of automatically directing you into these conscious inputs that are positive or at the very least that are neutral and can kind of stabilize that internal climate if that makes sense 100 percent, 100 percent, and that's actually a nice transition into Kind of where we are now, because it's Jan 24th, New Year's resolutions are at an all-time high. And we're speaking about habits, behaviors. You bring your own expertise as a behavior coach as well. Um, I was looking again through your content, and you said that the reason people fall off majority of the time is for two simple reasons. It's relying on willpower and relying on motivation. And you're not a big fan of these two uh, to rely on because you say they're limited in supply. I totally agree with you on that front. Um, but then you actually go on to say it's not the actions, it's becoming the person who actually does these things. So again, we're talking about stepping into a new reality, changing your belief system in a way to make sure that the actions is guiding you into the person you want to become here. So what were some things that past Jardet did to step into the person that you are now, where you actually materialize your success, positive mindset, self-love and worth? Like what did they, or what did Jardet do in the past? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was switching from this idea of I just need more motivation in order to change this or I just need to have more willpower or I don't want it enough these ideas that really get people trapped because no one can confirm against that for you no one can say 
actually, no, this is the reality that is different because you won't believe it, you don't see it. And what I mean by that is that you, when you're in the sense of all I need to do is work harder, all I need to do is push more, you burn out. And you can always believe that. You can always think that that's true. No one is going to contradict you. I mean, wider culture says that that's true, right? Hustle culture. And so I think the biggest thing for me was accepting that if I was going to change and if I was going to become more the person I wanted to be, which was more emotionally stable, more fulfilled, more successful, but not always grasping and reaching for success, then in order to do that, I would really need to stop trying to push for these things so much, this motivation and this willpower. And I would instead need to adapt the way of being that that person would have, because that's infinite amount of power. When you become the person that you want to be, it's just natural to pursue those habits. And I give the example, like you probably saw of working out and how hard it was for me for seven years to go running. I hated running because I was relying on motivation, willpower, doing it to make a certain shape. And then when I transitioned to being this person that just really loves certain kinds of movement and doing those movements, it was like I was pulled to do them. I'd wake up and I'd want to do them. And that's the shift that if you can do that in any area of your life, not just fitness or wellness, your internal resistance, it goes way down. I like that you said the word, like it pulled you into do it rather than you have to push something to get it done. Um, one thing that I do, and it really relates closely to what you just said, and a lot of people struggle with maybe, I don't know what I even want. I don't know what the ideal version of me is. And all these, all this great uh, actions to get us there. Like, I don't even know what actions to take. One thing that I do is who do you look up to and what traits of that person do you want to embody? And it really helps you clarify exactly. That's the type of person I want to be. For me, it's musicians. I love the fact that musicians can get on a stage. They can command an audience. They're in their own power. They're in their own confidence. They can speak well. They can sing well. They do all these really great things. So now I know that's the energy that I want to step into. That's the person I want to step into. And now I'm going to ask myself throughout the day, how can I step into those traits of that ideal person? And then slowly over time, like you said, I'm going to naturally transition into that because it's con I'm consciously thinking about that day to day. What do you think about that right there? I think it's a beautiful idea. It's what's interesting about what you said too that people might not pick up on immediately is that you don't have to, who you're modeling your behavior after isn't necessarily someone who's doing exactly what you want to do. It's their being the way you want to be because I don't I don't know if you have dreams of being a musician or not, no. but I would think more public speaker, right? More thought leader. And you're looking at this lateral area, this different creative space for inspiration because you're valuing not what they are doing, but who they're being. And that's so powerful because in fact, maybe someone who you want to do what they're doing is not how you would want to be. I mean, there's so many people in the fitness space that I feel that way about. Like they're doing things that I would love to do, but they're not being who I would want to be. Mm. Yes, I, I know exactly what you're saying there. I do. And uh, what now you get in my mind working a little bit here on this front. And we're talking about this push, like we're trying to do all this push um, to get into where we want to be. And one thing that I admire about you is uh, recently you've been posting things like I'm just going to work on my own energy. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to live life. And then it's going to help you attract that new um, 
reality that you want. Can you touch a little bit on why you're doing that and what that even is that you're uh, the way you're living your life right now? Yeah, I think unfortunately it's a really hard lesson that comes late to most people, myself included, because it's the idea you always think if I push hard enough, right, for any goal, then I will achieve it. And that's because it does happen. You can probably look back in your past and say, I really pushed for this or to do this or to achieve this, that promotion, that body shape, and I did it because I pushed so hard. So you can totally find evidence of you doing it. But what we don't think about is how much it costs us to do it from your well-being to your emotional state to your physical state, right? A lot of people burn out when they're pursuing different things and then they have breakdowns. So that's something where I've always been on that track, especially as an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for 10 years. And for most of that time, it's been push, 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 push. I got it on the fitness side, you know, relax into it, be pulled, but I didn't seem to translate that into the business side. And what I found more now is I'm just going to let things come to me. I'm still going to act. I'm still going to do things. I'm still going to pursue what I want to pursue, but I'm not going to have this bullseye target of where it needs to go. Because by doing that, by having one possibility, I'm actually shielding a thousand other ones from ever happening. So that's just kind of the realization in the last, I would say, even six months. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah, well, I'm on the I'm kind of on the same wavelength as you there. Uh, I'm always somebody grind, 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 push, push, push. Calendar mm -hmm. stacked to the max. I got to do all these things, but you don't leave any room for the magic that can come from just living your life, having a good time, raising your vibe, and leaving room for opportunity. That's what I like to say: leave room for opportunity. Um, because if you're like you're a co-creator of your life, I like to say I like to say that it might be a little juju uh, for some people listening. But yeah, if you're always jam-packing your calendar, your schedule, the things you got to do, you don't leave any wiggle room for life. That's where I feel like a lot of us, like you said, burn out. We get frustrated. We get irritated as to why things aren't moving. Take a step back as hard as it is. Let the, like, let, let someone else take the wheel just for a second. Let the universe take the wheel for a second and allow that thing to come to you, be pulled to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What was it that was your uh, moment of realization for that? Uh, you know what? I think um, as an entrepreneur, I think everyone can, uh, um, I guess, resonate with this or even honestly, everyone who's going through a goal, if you ever stare or you're sitting at the your room one in the morning, looking up at the ceiling, going like, what am I doing with my life? Having this huge epiphany. I think it's like moments like those where I go, something needs to change. I'm not having fun anymore. It's not coming as easily to me. How can I make those adjustments? And that's where I go, okay, how do I play again? How do I allow again? How do I just live life again? And as 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 uncomfortable as it is, like it, it really does move the needle when you actually start stepping into that allowance energy. Yeah, it it's exactly that. It's incredible, even in the short six months that I've done this, how many more opportunities have come, how much more things that I probably would have not even considered have happened. And it's because there's not this, again, that bullseye of, oh, it doesn't match, therefore I can't do it or therefore I can't spend my time on it. Because reality is you don't know how one choice or decision is gonna lead you into many others. And trying to pretend that you do, it's like you said, it, it silos you off from the magic of any possibility or something different. Absolutely, absolutely, Charday. Now, here's where I wanna transition into a diet culture because I know this is something you talk about a lot 
We're still in this New Year's uh, resolution right at the beginning. So I think this is a really good um, talking point here. I feel like diet culture, again, it's really impacted our internal dialogue in a negative way. It's all around the shame, this guilt, restriction. And uh, I was listening to a podcast like years ago, and this one line stuck out for me around this restriction um, because we can't eat uh, bad foods that we think are bad and then all the calories, we can't eat too many calories. It's like this whole thing. But when you start shifting into a person who like embodies healthy qualities, embodies a healthy mindset around food, it's not like I can't have these foods, like I don't eat these foods. So it's almost like you're not coming from a place of lack, it's coming from a place of choice and self-respect. And I think it's like the ultimate form of self-respect to give your body what it needs to nourish. Again, enjoy a casual drink, enjoy some, some junk food here and there. But most of the time, shift your mindset from I can't have that to I don't eat that is the biggest form of self-respect. Now, how can someone, and what's your opinion here, how can someone start moving into a healthy space of self-acceptance and respect for themselves living in a culture that is just predominated by like diet culture, social media, fitness, and all these negative uh, associations around food? Yeah, it's in, well, first what you said is so true that it's when you've made that transformation from the person who just naturally embodies those habits to the person who's fighting for them, it's a completely different reality with what you're doing. But it is hard because, like you said, we're surrounded by diet culture everywhere. I mean, even when you start to notice, like go back and watch a show or a movie, even from five years ago, just the popular one, and start to notice the references to someone's body, to the way they eat, all the fat jokes. I mean, there's so much stuff in there that you've just been subconsciously taking in. And so it's very hard to completely eliminate it. I would say that it's almost impossible for you to just shut yourself off from it. But things that you can do on the input side is, of course, like watch who you follow on Instagram. Anyone who's triggering you in a way that makes you think about my body's not good enough or there's a difference here. You have to be careful because if someone is aspirational, you see them doing something and you want to do that, but there's not the accompanying feelings of body shame. That's great hold on to those people. But when it's someone who is actively in the language they use or whatever the imagery they're using makes you feel less than, that's someone that you need to unfollow, get away from, not have on your feed. And the same goes for people in your life to the extent that you can do it. Limiting your interactions with people who are bringing you down, especially physically, or making comments on not only the way that you eat, but the way that they eat because you will also hear that and internalize it. So that's something you can do on that side of it to sort of silo out all of that noise. But you also have to do the internal bit, which is how do I get myself to still go after these very nourishing behaviors without the accompanying shame? And that's a totally different obstacle. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. So have you ever even struggled with this concept of negative self-talk when you bought into diet and fitness culture? like? What's your story around that? How did you navigate that? How did you overcome it? Uh, anything that you can give us here? Yeah, it was huge for me. I was especially too, like, if you go back a few years, that culture was really strong and bad. And that was the time that I was in it, deep, deep, deep in it. And the thing you have to remember too is when you're in the fitness space, it's not just, it's magnified so much more. So you day to day, you might hear these comments and you'll see it, but when you're actually working in this fitness space and that's your career, you know, I was in these studios, gyms, doing photo shoots, all this stuff, I was continually immersed in it. 
and it's extremely toxic. So I think for me, what was really helpful is having struggled with that for, I would say probably seven years. I struggled with it for maybe seven years. And the way that I started coming out of it was extremely slow. I don't wanna give anyone a false impression that this was cured in 90 days. Like it's not a fitness program. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It took a lot of time, but it was the gradual shifting for me of how do I think about fitness? Well, before it was about making me smaller, What if it's about making me more powerful? How do I think about food? Before it's, these are the rules, but going back to what you said, these are the choices. And that shift just makes it so much easier for you to steer into a different reality, into a different way of being. And we're talking very general. I can get super specific about habits if you want, but to give an idea of like, that's where the shift starts is how you see different things in the wellness space how you perceive them well it's almost like and the pattern i'm taking away from this tidbit that you're doing is it's coming from a place of abundance rather than scarcity or actions right can you can you go hyper specific on one example for us just to give us some meat and potatoes here pun intended totally i I love that (laughs) i will walk through just so people really can relate to this i'll walk through an example with workouts So typically when someone's deep in diet culture, they're going to go search for the workout and they're gonna search for, for many women, thinner thighs workout, 15 minutes. For men, it might be bigger chest workout, whatever your goals are. They start, they find that workout, they do it, the motivation immediately is, I want this body shape. This is why I'm doing this. They do it, they're not quite enjoying it, but they're kind of sticking it through. And then they finish, the thought is, oof, I'm not changing, like this is taking forever. I'm so different than this person. In the case of women, it's really pronounced. It's things like you'll be doing the workout, you'll look down, see the belly rolls, see the cellulite. And it's constantly just filling your mind of fitness is torture, fitness is to change my shape, fitness is I'm not good enough. Versus if you change that and you say, okay, what's a workout that I always enjoyed? Maybe it's let's go with dance because that's a really big one for women, especially, but for anyone, right? Dance is something that people really enjoy. If I choose that workout because I want to do it and because I find a mental calm with it and excitement, and then I go to that dance class and my focus is just on being in it, enjoying it, feeling my body move, not really comparing to anyone, I'm just in it. And then I leave that and I feel super good that's a totally different experience for from the first one that I gave you. And the reality is, is that that second person is going to show up a lot more, be more consistent, and they will be motivated to continue it for years versus the first person is going to be the yo-yo dieter or the person who's constantly stuck in the body shame. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it's very well articulated, Sharde. And uh, you know what? It's It's really great that you say it at that point of this podcast because it's what I want to transition into next because I believe the ability to keep your promises to yourself is like the one of the other pinnacles of self-love, self-respect, confidence in yourself. So if you're doing things that allow you to step into it naturally, it makes it that much easier to stay uh, consistent with that. Now, you should show up for yourself. And when you do that, it shows others that, you know, I should show up for you as well. Because if you're not believing in yourself and you're not supporting yourself, how can you rely on others to do something that you're not even doing, Right. So let's transition into a little bit of behavior change here. And you speak about this, you know, staying on the automated path, even when it's 
it's not beneficial to getting towards your goals. It's almost like it backtracks and it makes it a little worse for you. Um, so when you're on that automated path all the time and you're not changing, what do you mean by that? Like it's not, it's not helping you anymore. So what I mean by that is in the case of, let's say that you, an example everyone can relate to is jobs. Everyone can relate to this. So let's say if you're in a job that you initially enjoyed, you started your career, it's fine. It's giving you the skills. The environment is great. Eventually you're going to want to evolve. Either your boss changes, the work environment changes, you learn more knowledge. It just feels not aligned anymore with you. You can stay in that job and many people will, you know, they'll go years and years, but what you're going to fight with every single day is the mental battle of, oh, I have to do this. The mental resistance is huge. And that's why it feels so difficult and why you're waiting for the weekend because you have evolved into this different person, at least inside, and your values and what you want are different. But you are continuing in this automatic behavior, which is the job you've always had, because it seems easier. But in fact, the longer you stay in that while your mind is thinking differently, the more it's going to cost you emotionally and physically. And this is why people have all these really random disorders that happen physically, because they're so stressed out. And they're fighting with what their mind or with what their goal really is inside that they're not actually going after. And so that's what I mean by it costs you. Like it costs you physically, it costs you mentally, emotionally. The only thing that it doesn't cost you, I guess, is you never find out if you would fail, but that's it. Mm, that's, that's, another, that's another thing that um, you want to at least know, right? Um, the one thing that stood out for me there, though, was when you said your values aren't aligned with the thing that you're doing anymore. And uh, what do you mean by that, just for our listeners here? So it's the case of no person is static. People are always changing the more they learn, the more they age, the more they grow. And your values are also going to shift based upon what you read, uh, the roles you assume if you become a parent or you run a business, you launch a podcast, et cetera, right? They evolve. But if what you're doing is not aligned with that, so let's say, for example, in the job example, let's say I wanted to do marketing and I joined a marketing agency and that my whole goal was to learn those skills, digital marketing. Great. I'm learning it. But then my values start to be actually like, I really want to help small time entrepreneurs grow, but I'm working for this agency that is working for like Coca-Cola and Reebok, whatever then for me, there's a misalignment because what I want to do is not what I'm doing. And every day I have to show up and do it. I'm telling myself to your point of the promises, I'm telling myself, I don't listen to you. What you think doesn't matter. We're not going to do what you want. And it creates this internal dilemma that often manifests in a lot of illnesses and sicknesses and exacerbates them because of it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree there. I completely agree there. And uh, now let's let's go to something a little more uh, on the positive note. Now let's flip. It. Let's say let's say someone <laughs> too dark for everyone. <laughs> no, yeah. Hey, you know what? You need to experience both sides. It, it, we're both in the positive and the negative. They both bring value to this conversation. Let's let's imagine somebody says, you know what? I see who I want to embody. I know the traits I want to embody. I know where I want to get to. So now we have this beautiful, vivid imagery of where we want to go. Now we all have bad days. We all fall off. We all, you know, sometimes things come up. Look, we're human. That's life. 
as frustrating as it can be, that's just part of it. Now, what's your advice for someone who is, you know, falling off, quote unquote, falling off and how to stop the spiraling and the negative self-talk that comes along with that? Yeah, this is such an important topic because I think everyone listening feels like they're falling off in some way, mm -hmm. whether it's with the fitness or with it's with their career or their job, etc. The first thing, and I think this was what was really key for my own transition, but also what I've worked with in the past with clients on behavior change is we think about falling off as this wagon that's going in a linear line. So we're here, point A, and we're going to point B, and that's a straight line, we're on the wagon. And so if we don't do a habit we're supposed to, or behavior we're supposed to, or something that is embodied by someone we admire, we feel like we are further away from getting to point B. But the trajectory is not linear, it's actually more of a circle. And I think you need to think about that for personal growth is you will fall off, that's part of the process. But if you're imagining it more as a circle versus a straight line, it doesn't really matter when you fall off, as long as you can accept that, okay, like this is something I need to stop with. This falling off point can tell me something. There's some awareness it can bring to me. In the case of, um, I'm gonna give you an example with smoking because I know probably a lot of people listening don't smoke, but it's an example everyone knows. So I had a client who she was trying to stop smoking and she would find that she would always fall off around 2 p.m. She'd go out to her garden, this is in England, and she would go and she would smoke. And she was talking about it and she's like, I don't understand why I keep falling off. You know, I really want this. I really want to get healthier. I understand it's going to help my cardio. I understand that it's holding me back from being able to regulate, you know, food intake and all of that but I, I just keep falling off. It's horrible. I don't know how I'll ever get over it. And when we stopped and looked at why she was doing that, like bringing the awareness in, it was that that was the moment where it was most stressful in her day because it was after a team meeting. Mm -hmm. And for her to actually go outside and take a breath of fresh air and stop, she needed an excuse. And that was what the cigarette was for her. So once she could realize that that's why she fell off, instead of just having shame of being like, I'm never gonna get this, then she can work from there and say, okay, well, what are the new behaviors we can implement to help you cope with that stress, to get you outside, to give you permission to feel like you can get away from work. So that's where, this is a very long answer, but hopefully <laughs> it, it illustrates you know, for everyone why we just kind of need to reframe how we think about failure. Well, I like that you said that once she discovered what it was and why she was going out, like that's when the real solution and progress came in. That's something I always say is when you understand how things work and why they work the way they do, it's a lot less scary to navigate. It's a lot, it's a lot more easier to navigate because now you know where the problem is, quote unquote problem, um, to go and tackle. And uh, this whole concept of falling off and consistency, we just talked about how uh, staying consistent is like a great form of self-respect. And I also think like it's one of the big components of confidence as well. Like if I can stay consistent with things for myself and I'm showing up with a nice internal dialogue that's going to keep me online, like that to me is like really great confidence. And I talk about this philosophy of diversifying your confidence. I actually just spoke about this with Kelsey uh, in our one of our other episodes, diversifying confidence. But you talk about this concept of diversifying or diversifying your sources of self-worth. 
Now, interesting. You got my attention, Sharday. Uh, I want to know, can you explain this concept around diversifying your sources of self-worth? Like, what does this look like day to day for someone? Yeah. So most people, their sources of self-worth are three things. It's their job, their relationship status, and their appearance. So that's where most people get their sense of self-worth. Do I have a relationship? What's the relationship like? Do I have a job? How esteemed is the job? Do I look a certain way? Am I young, et cetera? Like those are the three sources, but those are also the three sources that you have no full control over. To an extent, you have control over your job, but you can always be fired. To an extent, you can influence your relationship, but you can't control the other person. To an extent, you can influence your appearance, but we're all going to get old, different things happen to us. So when I say diversify, it's giving you control and power again over things that you do have the ability to 100% influence. And that's things like your emotions, your thoughts, the way that you see yourself, your self-image, not based on your appearance, but just on your qualities and who you are. When you can start to find worth from those things, then you become like what we were talking about before, you become internally validated versus externally validated. And no one but you can then take that away. And that's why it's so much more powerful than, you know, the other three. Yeah, well, the in internally validated versus externally validated, that that can change your life. It really can, uh, because you can become unshakable in the way that that stuff comes at you in life, the way people say things to you. Um, I actually, it's funny you say that. I just uh, outreached for uh, another, she was a pretty big high status influencer for a podcast. I said, hey, I would love to get you on. Um, let me know what your thoughts are. And it was a pretty nasty response. I won't lie. I won't lie. Um, anyways, nasty response. And I go, wow, like that kind of sucked. But at the same time, rather than, you know, saying, oh, this person doesn't approve of me. They don't want to be on my show. Like, what do I need to do to make them on my show? I was like, you know what? Delete this email. Screw that. I have the episode with Sharday tomorrow. I got four other awesome uh, people that are coming on my show as well. And I know that I am going to bring value to my podcast as well. So I knew what I had currently lined up for myself rather than focusing on that lack. At the same time, like I'm here for my podcast. I'm showing up for my podcast. I know I'm going to speak well. And that right there is like the definition for me, at least of internal validation, rather than, you know what, I need to seek approval from this one person that said no. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so much too of that is about that other person than it is about you. I think like, I always say this to people, it's the, the worst thing you can do to someone who doesn't, who's not internally validated, who has this insecurity is that you look at them up and down and give them a dirty look. You don't even need to say anything and they're going to have the worst insults, worse than you could ever give them because it's their insecurities that they're going to hype up, the things that they feel the worst about. And when you recognize that like you did, there are other things behind the factor of this. You don't know. Maybe that influencer like feels that they're losing influence. Maybe they feel like, who's this person to do whatever, but it's, it's not about the party B, it's about you. And I think if everyone can start to recognize that, like it just makes life so much easier. You don't get mad when people cut you off on traffic. You don't get mad because someone gives you a little snide remark. You just don't care because that is outside of your bubble. <laughs> like mm -hmm. that is not, uh, it can't penetrate you. And it's the most amazing feeling in the world when you get to that point. It just feels like a release, a lot more freeing.
free keyword right there. And uh, let's let's um, let's put a pin in this right now because I want to say, yeah, it's I agree with you. Getting to that point where you can be internally validated is great. Uh, number one, that's hard. It's really hard to do, especially if you're in environments that bring you down or people say things and you, you're not really, um, I guess, kind of unshakable and confident in that sense. It's difficult to say, like, I'm not going to be phased by that. Sometimes somebody can say something and then you're down in the dumps for a day. I know what that's like. It's it's awful. And I wish somebody gave me like a roadmap to getting out of that, to, to stepping into a place of internal validation. So do you have like a method for shifting from externally validated to internally validated, even a tactic practice? Do you have something like that? This is a lifetime work. I will say that I feel like I'm expressing to you how freeing this all is and how I am in this state, but every day there will still be something and I'll still have to manage it. The number one thing you can do first, and I think this is for people who might not be aware of this field, is look up cognitive distortions, look up irrational thinking, actually look at the different ones. There's about five to 10, depending on where you look, and it's things like overgeneralization, uh, cat catastrophization, like there's all these different lists. But the reason to do that is because when you start to see them, you can start to label the thoughts that you're having and recognize that they are not reality, that this is a distortion and that's how you can shift out of it. The problem is when you don't recognize that your thought is not true or that it's just a snapshot. And I think that's where most people are is if you have a very untrained mind, meaning, and we can go into this a bit too, but like meaning you don't do meditation, you don't do focus training, it's very easy for you to just let that thought control your life and influence you or the many thoughts. So it's about recognizing this is a distortion. This is not okay. And being able to shift out of that. And that's a constant, constant everyday practice. So I would do look at those distortions. And every time you hear one of those thoughts come up, label it. Hmm. This is, uh, this is, what's so good easy well, this is overthinking is one of them too this is overthinking you know because they didn't invite me to the office party doesn't necessarily mean xyz this is overthinking mm -hmm. and when you do that it allows you to objectively look at your thoughts just like you would if your friend's talking to you about their traumatic experience and you can see it clearly but they can't you're doing that for yourself. So I think that's the first thing to start. And then meditation is the second, like train to be able to focus on one thought at a time. Well, that goes back to what we just said, right? Rather with uh, the subconscious inputs versus the conscious inputs. Like when you're identifying the thought, that's a conscious effort to say, oh, you know what? That is that is a little overthinking. They didn't text back, but they're probably just busy. You know what I mean? So that's number one. And then the other thing, I had a psychotherapist on not too long ago and she gave me probably one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received on this concept of negative self-talk and catching thoughts in the act. She goes, put the thought on trial, put the thought on trial. Like you're actually in a law, law abiding courtroom, like put it on trial. So let's say somebody comes up to me, they go, you know what, Matt, you're too skinny. You're too skinny. Rather than me just taking that there, hugging my loss and then being mad about it throughout the day, I'm going to say, you know what, let's put this on trial right now. Am I skinny? And does this make me feel bad? Number one, no, I know that I go to the gym. I care for my body. I would consider this healthy. Like I am in a healthy physique. And how is my energy? Do I feel good? Am I light? Am I energized? Great. That's another point. Rather than looking for the negatives and just accepting all the negatives, put it on trial, identify what's true, what's not, and what range true for you as well. And that helps you just shift into a more internally validated state as well.
I love that practice. That's an amazing thing to do is to analyze the thought when you get it instead of immediately running down the emotional spiral of, of what you think it means. And it's funny you say this because I remember speaking to an anxiety therapist who had a similar related idea, which is you can think the worst case scenario, but when you do that in your thought, you also need to think the best case scenario. So for example, when you were saying something like, oh, they haven't texted back, means that they don't like me anymore. It means that something's wrong. It means they don't care about doing the business. Oh, but also it could mean, hey, maybe they're in the middle of something that's really important for them and they're thinking about me a lot and they're gonna get back to me soon. Like you have to hold both thoughts because there's no indication that just the worst case scenario is true. There's no indication of that. You don't know someone's intentions until they tell you, right? <laughs> so you have to really like put it on trial, look at both sides. And that allows you to be a bit more grounded. But honestly, Matt, like the biggest thing is meditation. I know people do it because they think it just calms you. But if you can do it to train yourself to just focus on one object at a time, be it breath or thought, you just get out of that spiral of letting them control you. It's so, yeah, it's just one of the most powerful things that you can do. And so what do you mean by that? Like, uh, letting your mind or training your mind to focus on one thing, especially like, let's bring it out into the real world now. We're not meditating 24 yeah. hours a day, right? So how would that, <laughs> how would that translate into the day when you're able to focus on one thing, especially negative self-talk, um, negative self-worth? Yeah, break it down for us. Yeah. So I would actually challenge to say it is something that we can bring into every day. It's the things of small activities, for example, like think of an activity every day that you hate doing a chore, an activity, like what's something for you that you just can't stand doing? Me, um, every day, you know, washing dishes, can't stand okay. it, the worst. Washing dishes, right? Because it feels yeah. like you're wasting time, you have to sit and do this, there's a million other things you could be doing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, those thoughts, right? So anyone who hates a chore, for me, it's like all of them, but I really relate to the washing dishes. You're uncomfortable because you feel like it's taking away and because you're letting all these other thoughts come in. But what you can do is, focus just on the washing dishes, literally nothing else, nothing else exists, but I'm washing this dish, I'm drying it, focusing on breath, maybe putting it away. And it seems super, it can seem a little woo woo, but what you're actually doing is you are training your mind to not let a million thoughts come in at once, to focus on one thing and to consciously focus on it. So then when you finish washing the dishes, maybe you then go back to work and then you say, okay, now I'm gonna focus on work. And I don't have all these thoughts running through my head of, I've got this podcast to do, I've got this deadline, I've got blah, blah, blah. Like it's training you in these small habits, even just putting on your shoes to focus on one thing. And it's the hardest freaking thing you will ever do, but it's also the most amazing. No, I, I can definitely vouch uh, for what you're saying. It's difficult. I yeah. know that to my core. I do. Uh, but like you said, with that conscious effort to focus, like that um, moves the needle if you can do it over a consistent yeah. basis, right? Now, let me wrap up here with the last questions. I like to do a nice power pack question at the end here. Now, imagine past Charday was standing in front of you today. Like what's one piece of advice you would give to younger Charday to bring in more self-respect, more self-love. If she were with you here right now today, like one silver bullet piece of advice for her, what would that be? The opinions and perspectives that you are taking from other people right now, in 10 years, you won't care. 
And that's how you should treat it when you're making your decisions. Thank you, Sharday, for that. And thank you for coming on the show. I want to give you the stage right now to tell listeners where they can connect with you, see you, what you're up to. Please take it away. Let them know. Sure. So the best place to connect with me is just feelgoodnaked.com. It's naked without the E. That's where you can see the book, the podcast, the community. And that's where pretty much all the information is on wellness, behavior change, and uh, fitness. Amazing. Yeah, folks, check her out. I'm going to link everything in the show notes for you below. Have a click over. She's got some great content and a great energy. So uh, again, Sharday, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me.